All right, hey, so everyone just uh, come sit down. You know, I, I got a bunch of snacks. I got a pizza. Russell, 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 Russell. Oh, no. That was all of our instincts. Oh, no, I dropped all my dice. Clack, 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 clack. Oh, no, I chewed on your dice. Whoa. Ow. The D4 went into my thigh. Oh, no. That's the sharpest one. Now I got to pull it out. Pink. What are you made of, Eric? Oh, wait, sorry. I have to listen to Serial Season 1. Plink, plink. <laughs> Hold on. I, I brought all this bubble wrap out for us to have. Oh, no. Pop, 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 pop. Uh, but yeah, here's also a drink. Everyone just grab a chair. The pizza's going to show up soon. Screech. That was the chair. Oh, I thought that was the pizza guy. <laughs> <laughs> the pizza guy. <laughs> he came in too hot, and then he and then he like slammed on the brake and did a Tokyo drift. Join the party, campaign three, all practical effects, <laughs> all our own foley. Yep. All right, so this is James. He's going to be our foley guy. You can see he's in a room with various objects. We're just going to record him, and he's going to follow us. He's got shoes mm-hmm. on his hands. <laughs> That'd be really cool, actually. We should do that. <laughs> hey, everyone be quiet. I have to sneak up on Amanda. Now I'm going to look over her This is great. This is a really good episode so far. All right, so thanks for listening, everyone. That's, uh, it. that's it's been our time. I I had a I was, let me finish the set, let me finish the thing before a bit, Julia and Brandon fucking says it's bad. Hold on. <laughs> All right, so you know we don't have to have any of our characters put together necessarily or our character sheets, but this is more just like a session zero. You know, we're just gonna kind of I know we've never played before, and I met you all on uh, James List, which is a list that my friend James <laughs> put together, who's also doing our foley. He's a really multi-talented man. I know. He's he's organizational and great at sound effects. Mm-hmm. He organized. He has all of his sound effects. All of his items are put up on a pegboard oh. that have like the outline around them. That's pretty good. It's, it's great. Dope. So yeah, you know, I just want to hear what you all have. I mean, I told you all about Vertistello, the great green world. You know, you're all playing plant or bug people. It's kind of like One Piece meets Redwall sort of thing, you know, pirates and, and plant people. So I just want to know, and you know, I'm glad we all picked up Vault of Spire of Secrets. I reached out to Main, ha- Main Chan Press and they're super uh, excited that we're doing this. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to know about some of the stuff that you all have. Oh, hold on. Ding dong. The pizza's here. Oh. <laughs> oh, hold on. Yeah, okay, let me just look. Hey, does anyone have cash? Oh, I have a five. Is that cool? No, it's 2020. Why would I have cash? I only have a hundred. I have a single hundred. That's it. <laughs> oh, no. That guy's getting tipped real well. Uh, yeah, could one of you uh, fold that into a paper airplane and throw it over to me? <laughs> oh. oh, no, I ate it. Amanda, oh, can no. I have yours? Sure. <laughs> I have a Velcro wallet. <laughs> That's the sound a dollar makes when he comes out of the wallet. <laughs> what is happening? And that's me putting a dollar on a table. Oh, thank you. More hopeful. All right, the pizza's here. So yeah. Uh, my lactose intolerance. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, please don't do that one, Amanda. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'd love to hear what characters you all have been thinking about. Listen, I mean, nothing really needs to be set in stone, but I would love to know your class and your subclass, and I have Valdas here so we can talk about it, plus um, what tradition you're from, what country you're from in uh, Vertistello. 
And then we can go from there. Uh, Julia's had a character idea since before you told us the world of the campaign, it seems. So I, for one, would really love to hear hers. Okay, yeah, I can start. Um, I think I'm going to start actually with the first couple of ideas that I had that I didn't end up going with, if that's cool with everyone. So one of the first ideas that I had, again, before we got information on the world and Verdistello and the different traditions that Eric so wonderfully described for us in our last episode. Thank you. Sorry. Mm, I had a pepperoni pizza slice in my mouth. I'm sorry. (laughs) Good. I love the pepperoni. Is there a little hot honey on that too? Oh, you know it. It has It's a little cups that's holding the oil. Domino's got so fancy. (laughs) No, Brandon, it's not Domino's. It's Domino's with two O's. It's the only Domino's made exclusively by Andrew (laughs) Bellucci (laughs) of the Domino's Pizza Fortune. It's Domino's. (laughs) Domino's. So to get myself started, I was looking through the playbook for Valda's, and I was looking at the various new classes that they put in there. And one of the ones that really intrigued me at first was the martyr class, which is like a really interesting class where you basically use hit points as a way of using spell slots. That's cool. Which is wild because like the whole concept of the martyr is like you are sacrificing your physical body in order to play into the God's hands. Right. I can, yeah, there are these really wonderful summaries of each one that I think, like, there are 10 new classes in Valda's, and they have, like, uh, Mage Hand has written a little summary about each one. James, can you put, like, reading music behind me, me reading this? All right. You know you. what the funny thing Save is? Book. James is your middle name. Rainbow. <laughs> my middle name is James, and my mom wanted me to go by James, so you're just saying me. <laughs> it's fine. Brandon fine. again. It's just all all universe me. That's the Jake. Brandon James sounds like a jazz musician. It does. Yeah. It's terrible. It's a bad name. He's a studio uh, musician for jazz albums, and he plays the double bass. I was going to say, Brandon's in the corner with sunglasses on playing the stand the bass. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Eric, same brain. Julia, who's that wrestler who hits people with a stand-up bass? That's Elias Sampson, who now just goes by Elias, though recently they gave him a plot point where he shaved his beard and he claimed to be the twin brother of Elias. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't pretended to be their own twin. And everyone... Everyone was like, yeah, that's Elias's twin, except for one guy. And they feuded for like six months being like, you're Elias, admit it. Incredible. <laughs> so yeah, that's James. It's Brandon James <laughs> playing the stand-up face. Um, Martyr, the sacrifice class. Chosen by the gods to complete a task, martyrs are set upon a harsh predestined path requiring constant sacrifice. Martyrs use their hit points to fuel their divine abilities and can supernaturally resist death's embrace. Play a martyr if you want to experience the push and pull of sacrificing hit points for massive damage only to heal moments later. That's cool. So... I was really intrigued by the martyr, and specifically, their subclasses are called burdens. And there was a burden of rebirth that I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. What kind of character would be part of the burden of rebirth? And I was like, a fuzzy caterpillar. And I thought yeah. that was just a really fun idea. I didn't end up going with that, but like a fuzzy caterpillar that's like out talking about the doctrine of rebirth because they have to go and turn into butterflies is very, very funny to me. That's Incredibly really good. funny. A lot of the, I feel like there's a lot of intention, like trying to do something different than what vanilla Dungeons and Dragons is doing. So the martyr to me feels like 
a more complicated or dynamic cleric. Yes. Really making you embody what it is a cleric is supposed to be doing instead of just like, I have a collar on and I hit with a big hammer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt very much like a mix of cleric and paladin to me kind of reading through the playbook. So I'm, I'm with you there. Didn't end up going with that. I thought it was a little bit too weird and I wasn't sure how it was going to fit with the world. And so when we learned about the world, it really solidified my choice. Wait, real quick, real quick, Julia. Yeah. What would that caterpillar have sounded like? I have no idea, Brandon. I didn't well, I didn't go take, into just take, a, take a big old swing and what would it what would it sound like? People, listen. <laughs> it's me, I'm a caterpillar. <laughs> All you have to do is give yourself up and have your your guts turn into acid and goo while you have you cased yourself in a little case. No one knows how it works, and that's the beauty of it. <laughs> Also, in terms of, like, playing a bug character and more, like, the martial classes, because I was like, well, do I want to play a martial character again that's mostly, like, fighting and attacking and stuff like that? I was stuck between two in terms of the martial class. One was the stag beetle mm-hmm. in the warden class, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, yeah. The warden class is wild. It's basically just – this is their riff on barbarians about straight up being tanks. Yeah. Wardens are tanks of the battlefield that refuse to give an inch. When overwhelming enemies bear down, wardens hold the line for the party and single out targets from the crowd until the tide turns in their favor. Play a warden if you want to be a tough-to-kill warrior with a focus on crowd control. The problem is I did that already, so I didn't want to do that again. Yeah. There's definitely, I mean, there's more stuff. It's Warden is very militaristic Mm -hmm. in this way. Like, that's the riff is, like, going back maybe to more of the army uh, stratagems of uh, role-playing games and being able to, like, manipulate crowds, making choices that throw, like, the DM, if you have, like, a ton of enemies and the DM's controlling, you, like, separate and you take, you basically, like, take out the general and then everyone kind of runs around and, like, that's that specific class, like, one-on-one-ing the strongest person in the in the area so no one else has to do it. Eric, let me help you understand. You're the linebacker, right? Oh, oh thank, thank you. <laughs> I know what that means. All right, let me explain this to Amanda. Amanda, you are the, <laughs> you're basically the, um, uh, you're like the Azumarill or the Blissey oh, of the you. team yeah. who tanks all, you're the, uh, <laughs> okay. you're the Steelix. Good. Yeah, that's Let me explain it, Eric. You are a blue chip stock and I am a pension <laughs> fund of firefighters, teachers, and also iron workers from the state of New Jersey. I have $140 billion in my pension fund under control and you, you produce plastic and my stock money is going to go to you. Okay. Hey, Brandon, let me explain it to a way that you understand. You're Clive Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not dead, by the way. You're a fragile old <laughs> man. Sur- but he's surrounded at all times by wealth, money, and power. I thought for sure he was dead. Not dead. Not dead. My final one before I go into the actual choice that I made. This is how I do character creation is I throw a bunch of things at the wall and then just like, which one I like best. I know. I love it. Julia's like the Oscars. She tells us why movies are <laughs> stories right before she even tells us what we're doing. I do that Nicole Kidman AMC monologue every yeah. time I create a character. 
That really works because I walk into work every day and say, I'm Maria Menounos. Welcome to the movies. Get there early for Maria Menounos. Wait, pause for a second. I have a wild story. We were driving to Portland. So we were halfway between Seattle and Portland in the middle of nowhere. And we pulled up to a gas station because it was super cheap and it was space themed. What? What? And then I've got out of the car to do my gas things. And I look at the screen and it's fucking Maria Menounos (laughs) about her fucking podcast. Yay. (laughs) I was in the car with Jake and he was getting gas. And all of a sudden he sticks his head in the window. He goes, Maria Menounos (laughs) is on the TV. I'm like, what? Uh, at Nondescript Company, that I will not name by name, that Brandon and I met. I will. Serious XM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, uh, I didn't say I didn't say that. Exactly. I remember going to the movies back in like 2017 and 2018, and like no one knew anything about podcasts at the company. That was like our job was trying to tell people about it. And then Marina Menounos was plugging her podcast, even all the way back in like 2018 on that. And it was hosted by that company we worked at. And I'm like, how do people not even know about Marina Menounos? <laughs> like Marinos, um, Maria Menounos is on that tip and you guys aren't. Marinos is very good. That's when uh, <laughs> that's when you get that really nice wool from uh, a Jake yeah. sweater. Mm, yeah. 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 So the flower character that I was considering (laughs) was a sea holly character, which is like a very like purple blue flower with very spiky petals. Oh, we're getting closer. I picked it because I was like, well, that's a very like sea focused plant. And because we're playing pirates, that would be a really interesting one to do. And I considered for a little bit for that character, the captain class. Oh, yeah. Very good. The captain is wild because... It's explicitly about working with other people and controlling multiple dudes. Well, Eric, there is a thing that at second level you get a thing called the cohort. And I was like, do I want to make Eric play a little guy who follows me around and listens to the things I say? And I said, no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I thought about that same thing, Julia. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the captain is the leadership class. Brave commanders and savvy tacticians, captains control a second character in the form of a cohort and enhance their abilities in combat with dice field maneuvers. Play a captain if you want to lead your allies to victory. So I didn't want to do that. Hey, thank you. Thank <laughs> it you. seemed like a lot. So what I decided on, this is the final reveal. Here Yay! we go. And best picture of the 2020 Oscars. Oh, no. So I decided on playing the witch class. Yay! <laughs> Hell yes. And my character is a tea plant. <gasps> oh. And I am playing the tea witch subclass. Yes! Oh I saw that subclass and I said, that's a Gulia. That's a Gulia. All right, so Julia, let's start. What is a tea plant? So it's just literally when you have a cup of tea, whether it is white tea, green tea, black tea, etc., those all come from the tea plant. And basically, like, the type of tea is determined by when it is picked based on ripeness. So, like, the newest plants are used for green teas, and then the more aged plants, which are then, like, dried, are used for, like, black teas. Herbal teas are a little bit more complicated because they have add-ins and stuff like that, but basically most tea derives from the tea plant. Also, drying plays a big role in how the tea is 
categorized or classified. That feels like something I've only read on the side of an honest tea bottle, and I'm glad you explained <laughs> it back to me. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about your look in a second, because I want to know how this like bushy greenery is going to turn into your character. But let's talk about the class and subclass here. Well, let's let's quickly turn on Julia's camera. Oh, what? She's covered in leaves? Oh, the what? big reveal. <laughs> She's a little shrub. Oh, that's why she was a skeleton for so long, because she was sloughing Ooh. off her skin and putting the leaves back on. That's true. You found that's true. me out. Think about it. Branches are skeletons of trees, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the witch seems to be a riff on the warlock. Uh, here is that there's very there's some similar spellcasting stuff, and also your spellcasting modifier is is still charisma. But it seems like they're you're doing something else instead of just like throwing stuff out. It's about like putting debuffs and hexes because the witch is the debuff class. Mm. Affected by a sinister curse, witches can spin dark magic into hexes, which they use to debilitate foes. They are also accompanied by their familiars, loyal magical companions that they use to deal the killing blow. Play a witch if you want to hobble your enemies and cackle while doing so. Yay! So... That is a great description. There are, however, some witch crafts, which is what they call their subclass, which are very much more peaceful or passive, which is what the tea magic class is, which they describe as a peaceful witch that practices tea ceremonies and divination. Hell yes. Love it. Hell yes. We've touched on divination a little bit with... Um... Arnold Palmer. That's true. <laughs> from those campaign two one shots, which is wonderful. And I, I really like the divination magic and all that stuff. We've never had a straight up divination witch before. And maybe that's a shout out to uh the Dimension 20 for kind of like taking that corner of of Adine and how well Siobhan Thompson plays her. Um, but I, I really love divination and your ability to like change roles and stuff. Yeah, it's very, very cool. I love this subclass so, so much. I'm very excited to play it. I almost, uh, or I considered doing the witch class too. It's very cool. Yeah, it's dope. The way we're going to break down these classes, and again, you can check in the episode description here. We're going to have a link for you all to check out the classes, which have been provided by Maychan Press, so you can read along here. We're all of our characters, as we usually start, join the party campaigns. are going to start at level three, Woo. so we can hop into all of our subclasses immediately. So I definitely want to talk about like the general shape of everyone's new classes, and also what people are going to be going into this adventure with. So uh, we'll kind of just like touch on the first three levels here of what's in the class here. So our spellcaster, uh, you got cantrips, spell slots, all that good stuff. Um, as I said, charisma is your modifier, so you're, you're probably going to be able to talk your way out. Mm -hmm. First thing you get, which is really, really cool, the first thing you get at level one is you got to talk about the witch's curse, which is like the thing about the, the class is that you get your magic from something bad happening to you. Yes. And you get certain mechanical stuff based on that. So do you have an idea of what this could be? I do. I think I'm going to go with infested, which is <laughs> we might have to change the flavor of it a little. Sure. But basically the way that Valdez described it is you are constantly followed by vermin like insects and rats which crawl on your skin <laughs> and swarm in your wake. As a result, you are immune to being diseased. Additionally, you can command these pests as your own. Starting at second level, you can choose a form of swarm of rats as your familiar. Starting at seventh level, you can choose a swarm of insects. Now, I don't know if I necessarily want to do rats and insects. One, because insects already exist as humanoids, I guess, in this world. And I, I don't know if we have things like rats. But I was looking into different types of diseases that impact mm. tea plants specifically. Sure. And there's a very coolly named one that is called blister blight. 
I was going to say, it better be called Blight, Julia. Better be called Blight. (laughs) Which basically, it looks like kind of these fuzzy gray spots that appear on the leaves of the plants. And then when the gray kind of dissipates, it leaves these brown and gray scars on the leaves. Which I'm thinking just for flavor and look that part of my character's leaves are infested by this disease. Mm. I love that. However, because of that disease, it has stopped any other types of disease from spreading. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a good fermentation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like the idea of like, no, 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 we already have one disease here. You can't be yeah. no more diseases. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I don't want to take away the, I think the thing that they're giving you is having the swarm of something mm-hmm. as your familiar, which we'll talk about the bonuses you get to familiars uh, as we touch on what you get at level two. So like, I don't want to take that away, but you could definitely have like a cloud of mites or a cloud of bugs or yeah. something. Or like just spores, like poisonous spores mm-hmm. swarming the around little me. poisonous the swore is everywhere yeah. they can talk or you can talk to it or something which would be really really tight so we can definitely talk about that cool that'd be tight as hell the next thing that you get which is very important for witches is that you don't just get spells you also get hexes which are very cool what are those So basically hexes are these like powerful incantations that have some sort of insidious magic. And I get to choose, I think, three at third level. And there are a bunch of different options. I haven't picked mine yet, but some of the ones that are definitely appealing to me are stuff like... Peacebound. Uh, as an action, you can lock weapons to their owners. The weapons and ammunition of each creature within 30 feet of you become locked in their sheaths, quivers, or holsters until the end of your next turn. During this time, a creature can use its action to free its weapon with a strength check opposed by your spell save DC. Mm. That's cool. cool So I think just based on how I want to play this character, a lot of the hexes that I plan on choosing are going to be much more passive rather than causing misfortune. Mm -hmm. So like instead of misfortune, I can literally do one that's called fortune, which is as an action, choose one friendly creature other than yourself that you can see within 60 feet. The creature has advantage on saving throws until the end of your next turn. Hell yeah. Cool. This is tight as hell. I mean, the thing that's really cool about this is like, well, why I'm saying this is like an inversion of kind of a warlock is that you don't have a patron, but you are cursed. And instead of you having these like superpowers that you give to yourself as incantations for warlock is that you have these things you can do as actions and you can concentrate on a hex at the same time as concentrating on a spell. So you get to balance those at the same time, which is really, really sick. It is super cool. I love you as a magic user, Julia. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. The, the next thing you get is a cackle, which, which means you can extend uh, whatever hex you do for one round, for an extra round, is if you uh, use your bonus action to cackle. Whatever that is, it doesn't have to be an actual witch's cackle, but it is really tight as hell. Yeah, it even says in here, it says, not all witches laugh maniacally when they cackle, but all cackles require a verbal component as a spell. Uh, these range from mundane curses and insults to the murmuring of dead languages and speaking backwards. Brandon, get ready to like do a lot of my stuff. I'm just going to say a thing and be like, Brandon, put that backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yes. The next thing that we're talking about is your familiar, which we touched on a little bit. Basically, the bonuses you get, it's very similar to the find familiar spell and what, what we know already from uh, wizards and uh, warlocks uh, in vanilla Dungeons and Dragons. But here are the bonuses you get. Your familiar uses your a spell attack bonus for its attack rolls. They add your proficiency bonus to its armor class saving throws and damage rolls. And uh, their HP is, you can add your witch's level to their maximum. You can move them to a different point and then that becomes the 
point of your spell, which is really, really tight. Oh, I love that so much. It reminds me of Agent Agent Smith. We also get a bunch of really cool options as witches for familiars that you don't normally get. Like I can do a moon jelly, a pet rock, a rag doll, a tin soldier, a yarn golem. Yeah, <gasps> those are all straight out of Valdas. So like the Valdas made an appendix that grocks with witches specifically. And then we'll also see what we can do in terms of your, your swarm stuff, if that's what you want. Yeah. If you don't do moon jelly, I'm going to be very sad. I know. Moon jelly is tight as hell. I don't even know what it is, but now I want it. I don't either. I had an idea for what I wanted it to be, which, like, again, a familiar can change forms based on what I need. Oh, And it really depends on you, Eric. I don't know what the animal life is like here on Vertistello. Sure. But I was like, octopus, 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 octopus. I think it would just be like plant-animal hybrids, you know what I mean? Maybe it's like an octopus, but he's made out of seaweed. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know how <laughs> how in Avatar, like, all the animals are two of them put together? It's like uh-huh. an animal and a plant put together. From oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be cool. Because, you know, we you know th- we did say that food also is produce. That's true. Which I think oh, yeah. would be really cool. I was also thinking, we touched on this before during when I was describing the world, and Brandon said, like, what do you do with the produce? And, you, and I'm like, ah, I guess they turn them into juice. I like the idea that, like, the main way of getting nutrition is just through the roots. Like, you only take it in, but you it is polite to eat. There needs to be, like, a substance <laughs> that people put in their mouths, even if it's just, like, a thing you do sure. so that it's not just, like, below the table. I was thinking about that uh, because I like the idea that, again, like, there are only certain groups of people that can look at a produce a small produce that's unalive and but then you got to turn it into juice so you don't question where it's from like the difference between a uh, livestock and a slice of beef for example yeah I mean this is truly the dream like you only you only really have to eat for pleasure as opposed to oh yeah having to eat exactly exactly Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your tea magic as you start to fill out your character a little bit, ghouls. Um, so tea magic is wild. You have some really interesting spells here. You had hideous laughter and sanctuary and augury and calm emotions stuff. And you get this hex called tassiography, which is, <laughs> which is reading the tea leaves, which yeah. is really cool. <laughs> You can see glimpses of the future in your tea leaves. As an action, choose a friendly creature you can see within 60 feet. Roll a d20 and record the number rolled. Until the end of your next turn, you can replace any attack roll, saving throw, or ability check made by the creature with this foretelling roll. You must choose to do so before the roll. Once you replace a roll in this way, the hex ends. That's really cool. That's amazing, Julia. It's like the opposite of Val in some ways. Like instead of charging into danger and dealing a lot of damage, I am so curious what you're going to do as like partly a support character. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I really wanted to do was something very different than what I've been playing so far. And I think that sort of a passive support character with magic is very different from one Phoebe and two Val. So I think it's a nice progression from the types of characters I've been playing. Love it. Um, You also have the tea ceremony, which kind of just gives you a little bit of a bonus to Mm -hmm. short rests and long rests. And just as a very nice look ahead as we are going from Monster of the Week back to Dungeons and Dragons, Shapes and Omens is very similar. I guess I'm still giving you glimpses of the future, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) But now it's you get to like make shapes out of it, which is cool. Like assume it's like at the bottom of a cup kind of thing. Yeah. 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 But again, it's like every time I just give you hints of future events, but at least I can just show like an object, yeah, that you would see in leaves instead of like something hazy, which I think is very fun. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. It's your own face. Ooh. (laughs) It's a plant, too. 
I'm hearing a lot of echoes from Monster of the Week in this character so far, or like things that I'm looking out for or excited by. So I'm I'm really loving that we sort of had, it feels like we, you know, really like we did some like underwater training as marathoners or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I think I would love to just touch on your character a little bit if you if you have it. Again, you know, you don't need to necessarily know the shape and we'll, we'll get into this as we, you know, the first episode of the actual campaign. So let's talk about your look, what tradition, what country you're from and why are you a pirate? I think look-wise, actually, I want to tell you, like, my character's name and stuff. Please, if you have first. more, whatever you have. Yeah, yeah. So What's that name? I chose to use the open fields tradition. Hell Because yes. I already knew what my character was. And then Eric's like, yeah, you know, they kind of see the weird shit. And I'm like, oh, yes. That's right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So my character's name, and because Eric said that all of the characters are named after virtues, I had already picked out a name, but I got to a point where I was like, oh, this transition is very good. So so my character was born with the name Amity. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Love it. Which means friendship, right? Is that what Amityville is? Amityville yeah. is like Friendshipville? That's why it's the friendship part. It's a line from Jaws. <laughs> yeah. What an ironic twist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm using a she, they pronouns for Amity. Okay. So Amity was born as Amity in open fields through the curse or the things that kind of led to their becoming a witch. They became known by their peers and their colleagues as Calamity. Yay! And that name kind of followed them into the life that she chose to become a pirate, but she wasn't really vibing too much with people calling her Calamity. So she chose the name Chamomile and goes by Cam or Cammy. Oh, beautiful. So cute. I uh, love it. Cammy the Tea Witch, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Calamity Amity Cammy. <laughs> so they. I picture them a little bit more on the like squat size because if you look at a very established tea plant, it's usually like a very thick trunk and then very kind of petite and lithe, delicate leaves with these tiny little white and yellow flowers coming off of it. So that is kind of what they looked like before the curse. And now I would say a good third of their body is covered in that blight. And I also have this really beautiful image that when she makes tea for her patrons or for her crewmates, she plucks the leaves off of her head and then puts it in the the tea cups to either make or to age and ferment. Ah, so good. I love this. Yeah, the the we talked we touched on this a little bit, but like the proportions can be whatever you like. So I like this more like square creature mm-hmm. with like a, a little face somewhere in there. Yeah. Also, I cannot stop thinking they have a big floppy hat on. I love like that. I know, like, like regardless of whether you do it in my head, there's definitely a big floppy hat. <laughs> I picture them with the almost the proportions of a bonsai. Sure, yes. yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Where it's a kind of a gnarly, not gnarly and twisted, but kind of a interestingly shaped trunk for a body and then these very gentle leaves coming off of the head. Yeah, love that. They're also like very beautiful kind of wicker and bamboo tea picking baskets um, where, you know, when you pick the tea, you like put it in a basket on your back. So uh, a little like bamboo, you know, or like woven hat would make a lot of sense. Oh my God. Yeah, I love that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think this is also wonderful, especially because, you know, the bonuses you get from open fields are having advantage on being charmed and mind controlled. Yep. And also, you know, one instrument really well, which I think will be really fun to figure out. Yeah. I think it's like a harpsichord or something or like a pan flute. (laughs) I like the idea. Yeah. You just picking at something when you're on the the bow of the ship is really, really tight. Yeah. Oof. I love this. Harpsichord is very good. You should do a harpsichord. (laughs) Brandon's like, "Mm, I want to play that in the the background music. It's just very like haunted pirate vibes. Yes. A hundred percent. I also just super like the idea of just like a fiddle. Fiddles are also very good. I feel like she's probably really good at the fiddle. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll do the fiddle instead then. What if? Well, what if we were all a tea plant on the roof? If I were a rich plant, that's all I know. Yeah, that was good. No, that was good. Love it. Far from the roots, I love the pirates. <laughs> the pirates. Tradition. Okay, that's wonderful. I I love this so much. Cami sounds incredible. I can't wait. So good, Julia. Hit the high seas with Cami. Yeah. Wonderful. Hey, it's Amanda. Have you ever thought about how good fan art is and how cool it is to put an image to a character that you came up with in your brain? I am so, so happy that we have commissioned art of all these characters by the fabulous Ren, which you can see on our social at Join the Party Pod. God, it's so good. I cannot wait. I am so happy to meet all of these pals. And fan art is the bomb. Welcome to the mid-roll. Look at those lines. Thank you so much to our newest patrons. It's like you guys are excited about our new campaign or something. So welcome to Jonathan, Rachel, Muffins with a Z, Gallifrey and Boy, Matthew, Katie T, and Katie P, who joined within minutes of each other. You, Katie's T and P, are really on a roll. Noah, Paul, ya boy, Nicholas, Kelly, Dan, Carolina with a K, Michael, and Shannon Gildersleeve, whose name sounds like a fantasy tailor. Welcome to all of you. You, along with our other patrons, are the absolute bomb. You will be enjoying the one-shot Battle of the Brontes Plus, Welcome to the Sensibility Dome, uh, which Eric has added on top of the original game from Oliver Darkshire. We are so excited to play this game, and it's only available for patrons. Join now and squee with us in the Discord about these amazing characters at patreon.com slash join the party pod. Now, if you've been waiting to get someone you love into Join the Party, now is your time. Send them those illustrations from our socials of these amazing characters, or check out the whole page on our website that we have all about how to start listening to the show. It explains what our different campaigns are, what the vibes are for each, and also links to the 10-minute explainer that Eric and I did all about D&D 101 for those who haven't played before. So text this link to someone you love, jointhepartypod.com slash start. This week at Multitude, have you ever wondered what life would be like on a planet different from our own or how writers make your favorite fictional worlds? Wonder no more because we have the facts for you. Specifically, every other week, astrophysicist Dr. Moya McTeer, who's also a folklorist, by the way, she's so cool, explores fictional worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders, and reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. Now, Dr. McTeer took a short break, but Exolore is coming back 
back in just a few weeks, so it's a great time to catch up on the catalog so far. You will learn and laugh and gain an appreciation for how special this planet really is. So subscribe today by searching for ExoLore, E-X-O-L-O-R-E, in your podcast app or go to exolorepod.com. We are sponsored today by 20-Sided Store, who have recently expanded and opened up a brand new retail location at 280 Grand Street, just a block away from their original store, which is now, by the way, turning into an events space this month in February. We are so, so happy for them. And now their old space is going to be bigger and better as a spot to host live events like podcasts, etc., even more than they used to. Eric and I I walked by their new spot recently after getting soup dumplings right down the street. It's such a good excursion every time we're in Williamsburg. And gosh, they're the best. You can get games, gaming accessories, dice, notebooks, minis, or just wander in intending to browse and walk out with something new and exciting. These folks are the best. Shout out to Luis and Lauren. We love them. And they made a whole new code just for campaign three. So use code PIRATE. That's right. Code Pirate for 20% off your order online or just mention join the party in store. That's Code Pirate at 20sidedstore.com for 20% off your entire order. We are also sponsored by Describe, a very cool company that we ran into at PAX Unplugged. Now, this is an award-winning tabletop role-playing game publisher of descriptive text, immersive sounds, and interactive maps. So if you're looking for help elevating your home game with killer descriptions, thrilling music and ambiance, or a map and key for an adventurer's guild, they have you covered. And they have both a free membership with over 600 completely free scenes and more released each week, or you can upgrade to a paid plan to access descriptions and illustrations for stuff like places, monsters, spells, items, and so much more. This team is awesome. They really care about paying all of the writers and artists that they work with, and the stuff they make is truly beautiful. So go on ahead and check it out at describe.com, but it's spelled special. Okay, ready? It's D-S-C-R-Y-B, describe.com. But don't worry, there's a link in the description and you can get 10% off your first payment should you choose to upgrade to a paid plan with code join the party. So again, that's describe, D-S-C-R-Y-B.com and code join the party. Finally, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you are at your best, you know you can do great things. I know it myself when I feel like all of my stuff is taken care of and I feel supported and I am doing all of my self-care steps and doing my stretching, my meditation, my mindfulness, and my affirmations, and I'm getting dressed in something colorful every day, and I am taking a minute to compliment myself and to feel good, and I reach out to my friends, and I reach out to my family, and I make sure I'm fed, and all of these little things that I know makes for the best me, that is when I can show up and be my best self for my friends and loved ones and my work. And it's hard. And one of the things that can help me to figure out and troubleshoot what's going wrong when it is going wrong and how to make sure that I know how to deal with feeling overwhelmed is going to therapy. And for many years, when I couldn't find affordable therapy near me, I used BetterHelp. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now 
Let's get back to the show. A Brampton, Amanda, do either of you want to go next? Share your thoughts? Do you want me to uh, roll where I can roll for you? Yeah, what, let's roll. Yeah. All right. Brandon's odds, Amanda's evens. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, I'm rolling a D6. Amanda's, Amanda's even. I am. Go ahead, Amanda. All right. Folks, I... Uh, I subscribe to the first idea, best idea. Um, you truly do. Methodology here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be a butterfly gunslinger. Um, yeah. 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 I forget. Did we talk about this? Did we say this on a microphone? I can't remember. No, you guys were at my house. And Amanda was like, well, my gut instinct was this. And I was like, Amanda, do it. Amanda, do oh, yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be a butterfly gunslinger. Hell yes. Fucking I'm so love excited it. about this. The gunslinger seems pretty self-explanatory. Amanda's going to be rooting, tooting, shooting. But I really want to say the summary here because I think what Mage Hand is doing is very specific and why this is different than just putting a gun in the hands of a fighter or coming up with that archer class that doesn't really exist. I thought you were going to say putting a gun in the hands of a butterfly. I was like, yeah, Eric, <laughs> that's what we're doing all campaign long. Yeah. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast isn't courageous enough to put a gun in the hands of a butterfly. Yeah, fuck them. All right, this is Gunslinger. Critical, the class. Narrowed eyes, smoking barrels. Gunslingers live on the edge, brandishing a special resource called Risk Dice to keep them alive by the skin of their teeth. Cool. Play a gunslinger if you enjoy scoring powerful critical hits. Amanda's going to be critting everywhere. Critting. And having a, yeah, that was written in there. I said Amanda's going to be hard critting. <laughs> that was good. And having an entire arsenal of guns at your disposal. Oh, God. It's honestly wonderful. And honestly, this will really work with just to all you folks out here that like a lot of these classes are not like fantasy uh, locked. Like they're supposed to be played in any way and they fit in, in various different ways. So the gunslinger might sound like it's a Wild West construct, but really it does fit with anything depending on what weapon you put in their hands. Yeah, they have lots of choices. You can be a gunslinger with crossbows. There's a gunslinger as inventor type thing where like, oh, you know, cool. you kind of invent black powder, gunpowder, and you can keep inventing. And then even you can be a wand mage and use oh. kind of elemental fire instead of like explosives or propellants. That's, That's awesome. cool. Yes. You know who I know? I know someone who really loves critting. And you know who that is? It's Amanda. <laughs> Amanda loves it's Amanda McLaughlin. Amanda loves to crit. hot. Loves hard critting. I do love to crit. All right. So the first thing you get because it's a martial class, you get a fighting style, but this is more tuned just to gun fighting. It's not like you get plus two if you're holding a shield. This is very specific to what specific type of weapon you're holding. Like there's one called bullseye, which is for ranged attack rolls. One for being a duelist. If you're holding a only one firearm in one hand, you can. If you want to hold a shotgun. Like, they also came up with a bunch of these um, gun stats, which we're going to figure out what kind of weapon Amanda's character is going to have. Uh, you also get something called Quick Draw, which means that you get advantage on initiative rolls, cool. which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, of course, Critical Shot, because Amanda loves hot crits. Second level, you crit. Uh, if you shoot a gun, uh, you crit on 19 and 20. That's wild. Like, fighters don't get that until so much later. Mm -hmm. Hey, Julia, starting at level 9, Amanda crits on 18. That's wild. Yeah. 
Amanda also gets poker face, which means her character has advantage on ability checks and saving throws about holding your motives uh, inside. Damn. So close to the chest, So baby. if someone does an insight roll on you, you get to uh, roll twice. Yeah. Which is cool. pretty freaking cool. Um, let's talk about these risk dice. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It's I truly miss playing a monk, and there are some very cool new subclasses for monks in Spire of Secrets, which you should totally check out, but I am really excited about risk dice. So basically there are four d8s and which are my favorite shape of die by the way um (laughs) you gain more as you um as you level up but the basic use of them and idea of them is that you can use a risk die to perform a deed of your choice these are so incredibly cool yeah like different deeds kind of depending on what path you follow i don't want to say all of them because i want to see you pull them out all of a sudden but do you have a favorite that you're really excited about, just to give an ex- example, because I, I really like this one called Limshot. I was just gonna say Limshot is really is really awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love that Amanda is just playing Cassidy from Overwatch now. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. But Limshot is when I hit a creature with a ranged weapon attack, you can expend one risk die as a bonus action and aim for one of its limbs, attempting to force it to drop an item of my choice that it's holding. The target must make a Constitution saving throw, and on a fail, it drops the object. Cool. Incredible. Incredible. And that's going against Dex. Which which I think is really, really tight. Yes. Uh, I want to hold some of these, so we'll come back to it during play, but they're mm-hmm. really sick. Let's talk about your creed. That's yes. your subclass. Amanda, this is the most Amanda <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my entire life. There's some really cool stuff in here. Like, there's one uh, of you being called the gun tank, yeah. where you have, a like, a machine gun, and you're also the tank. Like, you, you soak up a lot of damage as well. It's cool. There's one I really wanted to do, but I didn't think would work on microphone, which is called the high roller, which is where you lie to your DM and tell it and see if they can call your bluff on what your role is and there's a lot of Holy mechanics about shit. that. Married couple I, should bluff more. <laughs> I was going to say I don't know if it's worse that you guys are married and would be doing that <laughs> or if it would be easier with a DM that doesn't know you as well. I can't wait. It will be it will be <laughs> sick. We have to have a hope campaign now so I can do this. Well, yeah, we have to play this at some yeah. point. Just it might just be too much of especially because Amanda be and I are a in the same uh, game. Maybe yeah, where we where we all play this will be wild. But Amanda is choosing the single most Amanda subclass yeah. I've ever heard. It's called Trick Shot. Of yeah. course it is. And the description is accuracy means different things to different people. For me, true accuracy isn't necessarily in hitting a target on the first shot, but might include hitting the mark after the bullet bounces around a dozen times. Amanda, you're just playing Annie Oakley. What's happening? Yeah. I know. My attacks are just as dangerous if they miss or even after hitting their mark as others are while they're still in the air. Oh so, my god. This is very exciting and starting at third level I get something called creative trajectory which means I can start learning how to make my bullets travel in unexpected ways and also my attacks can ignore half cover. So it's not a thing that we've explored a ton in campaign two uh, but basically if the target is like partially obscured, I can ignore a certain amount of like ducking behind stuff. You can basically can, like, shoot around corners. Yeah. Amanda can shoot around corners. That's, That's dope as Amanda. fuck. I also start with ricochet, um, which means when I miss with an attack using my firearm and I don't have disadvantage on the roll for whatever reason, I can use a bonus action to re-roll the attack. What? I, though, if I make it, 
that attack only gets half damage. So it's like a- But still. Yeah. It's like you miss and it bounces off a pan and hits someone in the foot. Exactly, yeah. Incredible. Amanda, this is the most you shit. Eric's right. This is the most you shit ever. (laughs) If you liked Amanda coming up with random ways that her superhero turned into like strange forms, you're going to love Amanda describing how bullets fly everywhere (laughs) in silly directions. We're just giving Amanda more reasons to be unhinged, and that's fine with me. (laughs) Amanda's character is becoming now bald, tattooed on the face, Colin Farrell. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So as much as we can extol the gunslinger, which is one of my favorite classes here in Baldas, let's talk about your character. And you are a butterfly? Yeah, I am one of the Birdwing butterfly oh, family. Oh, pretty. pretty. And so, thank you. And so my wings are mostly black with some yellow, almost like a caution tape um, near the bottom because my home is, of course, the crags, and I am a guard for the royal family. Whoa. So I am a palace guard as those royals rule and die and someone else sweeps in and rules and dies. I am from a kind of like, you know, minor kind of whatever family who are generational sort of servants and employees to the palace. So I came up like figuring out how to, you know, assess the situation, make sure everybody is safe, make sure there is a clear exit. For that reason, the background that I selected is of the City Watch. Um, So I have some ability to, you know, a little bit better at athletics and insight, and I can always find an exit. We're doing a little bit of homebrew. Yeah, um, we're taking the City Watch background from, I think, Sword Coast and changing it because right now it's just like, you're a cop and you know other cops. So we're going to change that to being very similar to Monster of the Week, which is if you roll high enough on a perception or investigation check, I'm not sure what it is yet, that Amanda's character will always know where the exit is. And depending on how well you roll, it might be uh, either a not an exit and you're leading yourself into a trap or it's very well hidden and you can escape if needed. So you always, it's going to be like, always know the exit or something like that. That's cool. Um, I think it was something that we're touching on the crags and I'm very excited to do with you, Amanda, is like your family, it's part of a house that has some sort of area, but like, you know, for my Game of Thrones fans out there, like there are plenty of people who live in these like duchies owned by houses that aren't the ruling house. So it's like, what do you do when there's no, I think, upward mobility in a, like a royal area? I think there's also something we've touched on and maybe what we've learned from the British monarchy is that like people just kind of work there and like that's their thing and the institution of the palace and of the castle regardless of who is on the throne maybe still works there which I think is quite interesting yeah and so I, we'll figure out like what house you're from. Well, Eric, I actually know. Oh, you know. Um, because I came up with my name and Eric and I talked through, you know, these other elements um, and he helped me find my background and things like that. But I did hide from Eric my name because I just wanted to be able to tell you on microphone that my name uh, is Troy Riptide. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Troy <laughs> Thanks, Troy Riptide. Amanda, that's the coolest fuck. He, he should have a surfboard or my something. My name's Troy <laughs> from House Riptide. Uh, my parents are Really expect much of me and so uh, I'm just gonna become a pirate go out to sea and uh, yeah maybe you know bring some distinguishment and uh, I don't know maybe like a, a royal elevation promotion for House Riptide oh my Fucking god love it. that's like my family name it's Rip Space Tide like the Dutch um, <laughs> but we work for the current ruling family whose name I don't know but Eric and I will work that out mm-hmm. um, and yeah we're just like 
generational kind of servants of the palace and we live around the palace and you know much like the white house butler is like you know people come and go and we keep working at the palace oh that slaps so hard did you say your pronouns uh yeah i'm cool with he and they two slash they's love it yeah (laughs) so the reason why you're a pirate is you're like hey i don't want to do this anymore yeah like listen you know i'm a, a young i'm a young man i uh you know i could be guarding the palace for the rest of my life maybe die in a violent takeover or i could go uh be a pirate see the world uh maybe you know get a chance at the salmon of knowledge to make a wish and get kind of a better, more distinguished life for myself and my family. Hell yeah. I love that. <laughs> you wish for a promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's also going to be great. Your resistance to some elemental damage, depending on where the riptides are from in, yeah. in, within the crags. And you're going to be really good at playing one game, which totally makes sense for you being a castle against yeah. a guard. Yeah, I'm going to figure out some kind of like dice game that like, you know, the guards are like playing, you know, in, in the night shift. Um, but I do think it's also important to say that the wings of anybody in the crags who work for the royal family are clipped because they don't want you being able to rise above your station. And so Troy wears his wings kind of rolled up and protected uh, in like a little, you know, canvas or, you know, fabric um, sort of like pack on his back. Because A, that makes a much bigger target and someone's bullets, including my own, might rip through that and that hurts. And B, you know, if they get wet, it's a huge pain. So I picture Troy with like kind of two, almost like a scroll, like a Torah on his back. And then in the middle of the two scrolls is his ammunition case because I think I'm going to go with the crossbow flavor of Gunslinger. Oh, um, so he'll be, yeah, he'll wear his bow and his um, his little quiver between his wings. I love that. That's awesome. Crossbows are tight as hell, too. They're just like guns with arrows. Like, yeah. how tight is that? I know. It's, it's awesome. Dog. It's incredible. Do you, you're going to have to come up with a name for your crossbow. Yes, definitely. Maybe Ripper. Oh, look, yep, there it is. Amanda, <laughs> you can't just say I'm just, I'm just getting loose, things. baby. I'm just getting loose. I can't with Troy Riptide right now. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Who are you, me? Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Well, also, the family of butterfly that it's from is called Troides. Um, so that's what uh, I was inspired by. I fucking love that. <laughs> yep. Oh, this is incredible. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll start filling this out. But this is really, this is really, really cool. Thank and you. Are you going to make up your dice game? Like, make up a new game for the world? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, I love that. Cool as hell. Crags, 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 crags. You get an extra attack at fifth level, which yep. feels very, very close. And then, uh, oh, here's a fun one. Gut shot. At sixth level, if you sc- score a critical hit on a large or smaller creature, the bullet lodges in the target. Either the creature needs to pull it out using an action or it moves at half speed and has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. Mm-hmm. Dang. Which is tight as hell. Yeah. So freaking cool. So you get even more bonuses to crits. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus Christ. And you get evasion at seventh level. My God. I'm really excited. It feels like another crack at playing a rogue, which I was woefully underprepared to do in campaign one. And I really liked using key points and uh, and luck points, too, in campaign two. But uh, no, I'm really excited. And I, I can't wait to describe all my trick shots in action movie form. Yeah. It's going to be even funnier thinking about an arrow bouncing around. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Split an apple, split a feather. We'll figure it out. (laughs) For sure. All right, uh, Brandon, you want to roll against to see uh, who goes next? Yeah, go ahead and roll for me. Okay. uh, Hey, this D20 just says Brampton on it. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, oh, Julia goes again? (laughs) Julia, tell us about your second character. (laughs) Julia, tell us about the other characters you didn't do. Brampton, please, I want to hear about your character. 
Yes. So I decided to do the Alchemist class. Ooh, classic. I'm so excited about this. I really, when I I picked this up first, Alchemist and Gunslinger were the two I wanted, so I'm so incredibly happy for you, (laughs) too. Well, you know, y'all talk about my tinctures all the time, so I figured why not just make it uh, real. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, what kind of creature is doing the tincturing? Well, here's the thing, Amanda. I am a pawpaw fruit. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) No way. Which, if anyone is unaware of it, which I wasn't totally aware of it, honestly, but it's the largest edible fruit indigenous to the U.S., not counting gourds. Of course not. Yep. But they're sweet. They have a custard-like texture on the interior, and they have a flavor somewhat similar to banana, mango, or pineapple. Uh, They're commonly eaten raw, but they're also used to make ice cream and bake desserts. They're kind of like an American mango kind of vibe. Almost, yeah. mm-hmm. which I just thought was really cool. Can I tell you the the art the headline of this article I'm looking at when you search pawpaw? Is it the serious eats one? It is. Yep. <laughs> it's incredible. It's pawpaws colon America's best secret fruit. The yeah. secret fruit. Yep. <laughs> incredible. AKA Bonango, also called Prairie Banana, also called Poor Man's Banana, also called the Quaker Delight, and the Hillbilly Mango. <laughs> oh my Hillbilly god. Mango. I love this so much. Do you have an envision of what your thing's going to look like yeah. as our first produce creature? Do you want to talk more about my class first, though? I, I want to talk. I, you, <laughs> Brandon, you, you can't say pop You can't say pop okay. not describe what like. the pop-pop person looks like. Let's do that, and then we'll go back, and then we'll, I'll describe Alchemist. But I am so excited about your secret fruit choice. <laughs> yeah. So my full name is Asimana Triloba. It's the scientific name for the pop fruit. Sure. That's my real name. But I haven't gone by that or said that in, in like, decades, right? And nor will you. Nor will I. I. That's the only time I'll ever say that in this campaign. But my real name is Umbi, uh, which is the Choctaw word for the pawpaw fruit. It's spelled U-M-B-I, but it's pronounced Umbi. Hell yes. Uh, which I thought was cool and cute. That's incredible. <laughs> you also, are you doing the thing that I, I hoped you were doing is you're going to have an older character? Yes. So that's <gasps> the thing. Is that I'm an old, old pawpaw fruit. Oh, Yay! <laughs> yeah, so I'm a I'm a, just a pawpaw fruit that is like, they're kind of yellow, green, brownish in color. So imagine sort of um, almost bean shaped kind of, but like probably medium size, like not uh, widely tall, not wildly short. And definitely sort of like, you know, when you get a fruit and the outside is sort of like scarred up yeah for lack of a better word just kind of like scratched up and stuff mm-hmm. but the uh which <laughs> by the way i pulled this quote from the wikipedia article which is uh, i thought a very good character trait for me uh when bruised the leaves have a disagreeable odor similar to a green bell pepper oh my god you <laughs> wow. smell bad canonically you smell bad to oh, a green Brandon. bell pepper yeah <laughs> I love that's so funny. I can't believe you did a character choice, which is canonically I smell bad. But only when bruised, Julia. <laughs> but I want to be sort of Gandalfian. Of course. So sort of like that old sage, like weirdo kind of person that comes into town and lights out fireworks and then leaves, you know? Yeah. And so for my hat, the pawpaw flowers um, on the tree... They're perfect flowers. They're about one to two inches across, and they're rich red, purple, or maroon. Uh, and they have three septals and six petals. So that's sort of like my, my wizard hat thing. It's just my my flower. They're so pretty. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I could have a beard. I don't know. But I definitely have sort of like a walking stick for sure. I love an idea of the a beard made out of these like dark red and brown flowers as well. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's sure. a good idea, Julia. Maybe I have that as a hat and my beard kind yeah. of thing. 
So it's not really a hat, but it looks like a hat. Yeah. That's tight yeah. as hell. Oh, maybe it's just like hair that's like, you know, when like old men have like wildly well, hair yeah, going you can, everywhere. Do you know when you buy like at the farmer's market, like a persimmon or an apple and it has a little bit of branch attached? That yeah, can kind of yeah, be yeah. kind of be like a fascinator almost. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 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 All that canon. So love cool. it. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I got so taken by pawpaw fruit. I really because I mean, this informs your character so much. Yeah. Let's talk about the alchemist. Yeah. How... Wait, wait. I do want to tell you two more things. One, not important. Never going to come up. But the pawpaw fruit has like three or four like big black seeds on the inside and yeah. that's my skeleton just oh that's gonna come up <laughs> okay. Eric make sure that comes up at some point writing that down when you're at 5 HP for sure we can see your big black seeds on the inside <laughs> as you slowly fade from this earth and then I just liked I have siblings that like I haven't talked to in decades you know not for any reason just cause we're old but I have siblings that are a pair of twins they're sour sup and sweet sup <gasps> and then Lang Lang and Cherimoya. Those are my, my four siblings. It's incredible. <laughs> and those are all my related, the things related to the pawpaw tree. <laughs> Stunning. Brandon. Oh my God. I'm I'm overcome by this sweet little pawpaw. This, this <laughs> oh, sweet little pawpaw. Oh, Troy and Cammy. This is incredible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> is... What a wild party composition we have this time, gang. <laughs> incredible. So good. Okay. Do we want to, we got so taken out by the pawpaw fruit. I have to ask, because we will come back to the alchemist class. I have to ask, why are you a pirate? <laughs> it doesn't seem like something that, that an old uh, produce like yourself should be out doing. Good question. So I decided that I will be from Overstock. Great. So sort of the philosophical place. Yeah. Sort of the like heavy thinkers. Cool. Which makes sense. Like the old, old man sort of wandering the earth trying to think of things. So I think that's sort of what happened is like, honestly, I don't think he knows why he's a pirate. Like he doesn't really have a plan. But like at some point he probably was thinking and then wandered away chasing some sort of thought process. And you know, now he's a pirate. And like, who knows why he's a pirate? Maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe we'll discover something. Who knows? But I don't think he knows right now why he's exactly like, why he does anything. He just kind of like is there, you know? He's just like, I'm retired from whatever I'm doing. I guess I'm just, I'm just out here vibing. Yeah, kind of. Just vibing. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if the whole preoccupation of Overstock is figuring out the sky and the water and the origins of things, even if it's not a conscious thought, it would make sense to be like, yeah, like, of course you would want more data. Of course you'd want to see the world. Of course you'd want to go out and see things for yourself. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, he's like, he definitely is the kind of fruit that would, uh, someone would have a late night quasi-philosophical argument with him and then he would go on a 10-year quest to figure out the answer to it. Like the answer to this like simple question of what color is the blank tree or something, you know? Just so he knows. Yeah. That's wonderful. What about yeah, He just kind of goes where his thoughts take him, you know? It's someone who you get into a conversation until the wee hours of the morning at a bar with. Yeah, exactly. Is the vibes I'm getting, yeah. Elements of this remind me of less, and I think that's really cool. Like, part of the, I've seen this before, you know, like, there is through lines that I'm loving. Yeah, I like that. Wonderful. All right, let's finally talk about The Alchemist, because I think this really pulls you together. Because although uh, the you haven't chosen the pirate life, the pirate life sure is agreeing with you. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the Alchemist is alchemy the class, using half-science 
plants, half-magic concoctions, alchemists brew up explosives and transmutive potions on the fly. Play an alchemist if you want to experiment with a wide array of scientific discoveries and lethal bombs. Yeah, so I think along the way, you know, he just kind of collects shit <laughs> that he finds. And, like, I think he's a l- got a little bit of that madman energy where he, like, you know, puts two roots together and they explode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I am going to do the Mad Bomber subclass. Oh, my God. I like that you're like, yeah, he's just like a cool Gandalf character. That's why I'm playing but the Mad bombs, Bomber. <laughs> Brandon. He just knows how to put things together that explode. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Brandon. God. All right, well, well first, before, <laughs> let's get kind of the fluff out of the way here. The first thing you get is Natural Philosopher, where you can add your proficiency bonus, half of your proficiency bonus to any ability check about herbs potions, poisons, or any alchemical substances. So yeah, this is totally within your thing of you just picking stuff up along the way. And now let's talk about bombs, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Gandalf had fireworks, right? And like those are just bombs. Yeah, it's it's like if you stopped reading Lord of the Rings after before the (laughs) people left the Shire. I love the idea of an old man. Like an old sort of spindly man just like running around a field like blowing shit up. I don't know. That's so fun to me. It's just so funny. Brandon, it's so funny. Gandalf <laughs> only at Bilbo's birthday party. That's yeah, it. Exactly. That's the entire character. It's fucking incredible. I was like, oh, Brandon's playing an alchemist. Maybe he'll play a healer again or something yeah, yeah. like that. No. Fuck no. Not even close. <laughs> no. I'm Troy Riptack. You teach me how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, let's talk about bombs here. So the main way that alchemists attack is with bombs. And bombs are a ranged weapon. They basically, you get to use this action that only alchemists get called priming bombs. All right, so here's what Umbi can do as as Umbi has his main action. He has a regular bomb, right? Oh, yeah, Brandon, just checking pronouns, he, him. He, him, yes. Gotcha, yeah. thank you. So a bomb is a ranged weapon that does 1d10 fire damage. You throw it at a character to attack, and then it explodes in a 15-foot diameter, right? Oh, there's going to be so much collateral <laughs> damage in our fights. That's a big range. Yeah, it's gonna absolutely. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> I was like, no, bullets might be, I mean, A, I don't necessarily want to like, shoot a lot of guns, but B, like, a bullet could be a bad thing on a ship. Meanwhile, fast forward, a beast bombing <laughs> fellowships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Love it. So that's the bomb, right? The other thing that you can do with a bomb is that in second level, alchemists get something called bomb formulae, which is you can swap out the stuff inside the bomb to do different types of explosions. Uh, this is kind of like you choose your spells like a wizard, um, is that you have these stacked, so Umbi will have a few that he that he really likes to use. But like there's some really interesting stuff. Like you can make an ice bomb, you can make a, a holy bomb, you can make a lightning bomb. There's a lot of different stuff that you can do. I can make a non-lethal bomb, <laughs> I can make a stink bomb. A Incredible. stink bomb, fuck yeah. A teleportation bomb. And then like every level going up, you can swap out your like the ones you know, which I think will be really, really neat. So yeah, every as an action, you're gonna prime a bomb and throw it, and then you're and we're gonna see what happens with it. It's just gonna be the the, the coolest thing ever. Just also to hit your point, Julia, there is a thing where I can. Additionally, as a bonus action, I can empty some of the bomb's explosive material to permanently remove the blast radius from this bomb, dealing damage only to the bomb's target. So. Hmm. Yeah. Don't stress. All right. I'm a little stressed, but less so now. I think that would do less less damage, but yeah, no blast radius. 
It's very interesting about the action economy, how this this slots in the action economy, how like we're using quote unquote the use an item action built into Dungeons and Dragons, and that is what how you prime and throw a bomb. So the bonus, so you like the only thing the alchemist can do if they're throwing a bomb is like decide if they're going to use this bonus action here and then prime and throw, which I think is very, very cool. It's like, the, this character is only here to throw bombs. Field, Let's go to Field of Study because you're the mad bomber. Can I read the, the text yeah, please do. that's written? It's so, it is truly so funny. So this is what Mage Hand wrote about mad bombers. While many, quote, mad bombers aren't actually mad, it takes a special kind of crazy to devote one's life to studying explosives. <laughs> Most alchemists who specialize in this field are incorrigible pyromaniacs who take great pleasure in burning, blasting, and blowing things up. Mad bombers are always working to improve their bomb's effectiveness. Oh, I just want to be Gandalf. I think an important point to note for my character is that every time something blows up, he's surprised by it. <laughs> like, wow. He's like, yes, I did it. <laughs> this is some absolutely incredible stuff, especially because we're doing our pirate campaign here. You have something called blasting specialty, which means that when you choose Mad Bomber, your bombs deal double damage to objects and structures, which include ships. That's tight. Come at me, pirate ships. Amazing. Very excited for you to try to throw a bomb at a pirate at a pirate oh, ship. I'm gonna load it up on uh, Amanda's crossbow and just have it shoot shoot to the other boat. Oh my god! That would that might be tight. Yeah. That might be truly tight as hell. That's the new steak and egg. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this is something I'm very excited about, which I think is gonna come at sixth level. Is that when you prime and throw a bomb, you can set a duration for its detonation up oh. to a minute. Which I think is going to be very, very cool for some team shenanigans as we figure this out. That's so cool. That's pretty dope. And then finally, I just think that just in case we thought that only the alchemist was just bombs, they do have something called reagent dice, which you can use uh, to either souping up a bomb or brewing potions, which I think is very Ooh. cool. Umby's going to start with three reagent dice. They're 3d10. You can either like put them into the bombs and roll even more d10s, or you can spend 10 minutes and expend any number of reagent dice to brew potions, and the number of reagent dice you use will mean that you get to make certain potions. Starting at level three, you can make a potion of climbing, a potion of growth, a potion of healing. You can make healing potions, which I think is really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, you Thank can God. make healing potions. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say that's never going to happen. Uh, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, theoretically, you can make a healing potion. But I think it might be interesting. I, I was actually thinking about this a lot. Like, you could have a workshop that maybe you make them like as part of the base building component mm. is that maybe you have one and you get to you all get to show up with a certain number of potions depending on how much XP you put in here. We're going to have a conversation when we do a world building episode yeah. about your base um, because we're going to kind of start in media res within you all being on the ship together. But I think that there's a lot of the fact that you also are, are a potion maker is is quite interesting. My tinctures. I can see a lot of collaboration possibilities between maybe hexed or cursed arrows and maybe exp- Exploding arrows. I think we mm. can work on that in our downtime as we proceed. And then eventually, right after this, you get some, uh, much like the Warlock bonuses, you get these things called discoveries, which are kind of bonuses that you get to apply to yourself or your potions or your bombs going forward, um, which I think will be pretty, pretty neato. I do just want to say, because I don't think we'll ever get here, but I want to read what happens at level 20. Did you see this, Eric? Oh, yeah. 
if you get to level 20, you get to find or make a philosopher's stone, and then you get a new bomb formula, which is nuclear bomb. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're never doing that. Chill out over there, Gandalf. The apotheosis of everything is like, yeah, I have a philosopher's stone and a nuke. Is that bad? <laughs> it deals 10d10 plus 100 damage. Holy shit. And has a blast radius of one mile. Which is really funny, too, is that you have to put your Philosopher's Stone in the bomb. Uh-huh. It's like the Philosopher's Stone is nuclear-powered, and you got to put it in there. Wow. It's so funny. All right, folks. One last thing before we kind of wrap up here. Brandon, have you figured out how you're going to use your hover? Because, again, from Overstock, uh, you get your your uh, your hover. I have not really. I I don't know. We'll have to talk it through. Can I make a little suggest? Please make a big suggest. You have little gunpowder at the bottom of all your shoes. And if you fall, you can just uh, click your heels together and it provides enough force for you to kind of like propel up off the ground. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I like that I was lot. I was going to say something similar where it's like you use the bombs and they help you blast off like Bakugo in My Hero Academia. Right. <laughs> or like little like little seeds at your belt that, yeah, you can just toss down and like ride the, um, the plume. I love that. I also just like the idea that you've invented a little like parachute backpack for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that one. I also think if we in a third direction, you remember when Billy Bob Thornton had Angelina Jolie's blood around a necklace yes. in like a little thing? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you just had a little flying potion that you just have for emergencies, but it just helps you hover for 1d6 rounds? What if both? What if I have the two reagents for a flying potion on my two feet at all times, and if I hit them together, they react? That's <laughs> so cool. Funny. I like that. That's very funny. It's really good. I also love that since this is only going to be like once per day, that like you're like, oh, got to put more flying out my feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I do think I'm going to be unafraid of one common fear, which is going to be death because, of course. <laughs> Brandon admits on the podcast that he has a fear of death. Yeah. Makes his character unafraid of death. Love that exactly. for you, Exactly. D&D is fantasy fulfillment, baby. Yeah. Sure. I'm excited for you to be, like, tortured in the hold of, like, a dread pirate ship and someone, like, pulls out one of your seeds from your body and you're at 4 <laughs> HP and you're like, it sounds good. Happens I love to it. all of us. I yeah. wanted to see what I looked like in there. Speaking of which, Brandon, you have a voice picked out for Oh, I Umby? do. That's not it. But okay. I, I'm not going to do it until the show. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm very excited. This is going to be tight as hell. So your character is also incredible. I'm excited to flesh all this stuff out. And please, again, check out the classes in the episode description. There's a link right here, and there's going to be a link every in every single episode. So you can double check what we're doing, and you can tell people to buy Valda's uh, Spire of Secrets from HN Press, which we're super, super into. Yeah. Valda's. All right. Um, so you all ate all my pizza, and my mom's going to be home in like four minutes. So oh, you no, all got to go. No. I want more pizza. I'm not leaving until I get more pizza, Eric. Let me, let me. Um, you, Brandon, shot- you already ate four pies. I don't have any more pizza. That's why there's no pizza left. Let me shotgun this two liter of Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda took out a pocket knife and slammed it into yeah. a two liter and then chugged it. Yeah. Well, Amanda's cool now, so. <laughs> Amanda's playing the coolest character in this campaign. Troy Riptide can take a shot without sipping it. Why would you say that? <laughs> 
Well, if you can't give me more pizza, I'm going to knock over everything on my way out. So, bye. Brandon dropped a bomb behind him. Oh, no. Yeah, that's why my mom doesn't like it when I have Brandon over. That's why you all got to go. (laughs) Because he keeps knocking over vases. (laughs) Rude. Highly rude, Brandon. And uh, we'll see you next week with more world building, huh? Yeah, we're going to go base building and talk about your ship and your pirate town that you've put together in your... As you ride the tide on your pirate adventure. Woo! Yay! Bye, guys. Later. I can't speak. I have pizza in my mouth. I hit a whole pie from Brandon. (laughs) (gasps) Oh!